before I begin, I want to explain the title of this episode. When we think about how women interact with each other and how we fight, how we argue, how we resolve conflict, it's a unique phenomena in and of itself. Most people can agree to that. The conversation around female friendships and female group dynamics is a really interesting one. As we're navigating adulthood, we're thinking about what friendships mean the most to us and why do some friendships last longer than others? Why are we experiencing certain hardships with some friends and not with others? How does gender play into that? For women, people have a lot of different theories as to why female friendships can be harder to maintain or why female group dynamics can be more challenging and more complex. I've seen a variety of arguments around this. I've read a lot of articles in preparation for this episode. And a lot of people have anecdotal experience, just stories that you hear from the women in your lives. We know that these aren't singular experiences that happen in a vacuum. This is a cultural and social issue that we are experiencing as a result of the patriarchy. I feel like that is the common thread that everyone has been able to agree on. All women experience this pressure to look a certain way and to show up in the world a certain way that is positively received by men because men have more power. The pieces of this that I would like to investigate further are how we approach confrontation, how we speak to each other. Some people theorize that women struggle more with resolving issues in their friendships because women tend to avoid confrontation. And I think it's hard to make generalizations like that, but I do see where it comes from. Women are more rewarded for being in a submissive position as opposed to more active and dominant. Another thing that goes along with that is passive aggression. If you're unhappy with someone, rather than confronting it head on, having these implicit undercutting ways of getting your messaging across that you're unhappy with someone, whether that's icing someone out from a group, talking about someone behind their back, not inviting them to things, social media can be played into that, like maybe you were on somebody's close friends list and then they took you off, or maybe there was a group chat that you were part of and then now suddenly you're not in it. There are these subtle ways that we have now as a culture normalized if you're not happy with someone then this is what they're gonna do to show you that without saying it to your face i think this is something that affects a lot more people than we might think maybe men can relate to this too or if you have female friends or just important women in your life and you want to understand this better i think this is something that anybody can learn from this is something that i don't think i have fully grasped in my own life yet but i can still reflect on the past few years of my life especially coming out of college and high school where social dynamics are so critical in shaping our development and how we interact with people 
I'm gonna share a story today that is very personal with me. It was very hard for me to talk about years ago when it was happening and I never thought that I would share it. I do think this is something that sadly a lot of people can relate to. Women have such strong bonds and strong connections with one another. I read that the average length of a female friendship over the course of a lifetime is 16 years which is way longer than I thought. I guess if you think about it, if you look at the entire lifespan of someone, 16 years compared to like 70 isn't necessarily super long, but I would say objectively, 16 years is a long time. I've had friends that I have maintained close connections with for about 10 years. And I could definitely see myself being friends with them for another six years. So. I get it. I can see it. I think it's important to look at why those friendships have lasted so long and then why others have been more short-lived. What didn't connect with those people? You know, I'm talking about the people who we maybe knew for like a year or six months and then it just kind of faded out. It doesn't mean that like you have to be friends with every single person you come across in life, but how do we handle those things when they come about? I'm a more confrontational person. I don't really shy away from having difficult conversations, calling it how it is. Even if I'm watching a TV show, like a reality TV show, and I see the one person, the one character who's like the go-getter and the type A personality, sometimes they're the villain, but I kind of relate to them. And it's a really interesting thing because sometimes people will be like, oh, I hate that person. Like, I hate that they're always blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, I see how some of the things that they do are maybe not okay, but their way of addressing conflict, I can kind of get behind because everyone else in these shows, I'm being so broad right now, but you know, the more passive people, they're causing just as much harm. They're just doing it behind people's backs. They're not saying it to their faces. At least the person who is more confrontational is honest and out in the open about how they're feeling. That's never to say that, you know, it's okay to be rude and disrespectful to people. That's not okay at all. There's a way to interact with people who maybe you don't see eye to eye or maybe you really really don't like that person but there's still a way to engage with people in a respectful way people use the word cordial a lot that can kind of be a loaded term sometimes if you are expected to be cordial with someone who has disrespected you i don't think that's a realistic reasonable ask if you want to be cordial with someone who is maybe just an acquaintance, you don't necessarily want to be their friend. I feel like that's just being respectful. To conduct yourself in a way that you're not causing further harm to the people around you. People think that just because they've had some experience with a person or they know that person, then that gives them the right to speak about them to others specifically to shit talk or to air out their private conversations and whatever because they feel like they are entitled to do so and i think people forget that those actions even if they seem innocent they do cause harm and to the people you're talking to whether they know that person you're talking about or not they're receiving that energy kind of this negative undertone 
gossiping, talking about people behind their backs, name calling. That's something that I have never really understood about female group dynamics and how common that is, where women can sometimes bond over disliking someone. Obviously, women can also have wonderful, supportive conversations about the women in their lives. This episode is not about that. (laughs) I'm talking about like, why do we cut each other down? Speaking from my experience, that can really cause a lot of damage to someone. Even if we think maybe we're doing the right thing, it's really important to think about how we speak to people and the effect that that has. When I was 17, I was fearless. Nothing could stand in my way from doing whatever it was I wanted to do. I was not afraid of anything or anyone, and I couldn't really pinpoint why or what exactly made me that way, but somehow it kind of felt like the bigger the thing I did, the more that was proving that somehow I was doing the right thing. I ended up okay. My life was bigger or more meaningful than maybe I thought in my head. When I got involved with activism, it felt like I was finally fueling my soul with something purposeful and very impactful, like I was helping a community that was obviously larger than myself and that, you know, my energy and and talents and my voice could be used for something good. I remember that was probably the only thing that was clear to me at the time was if I'm going to do something, let it be to help people. Somehow, even in all of that, I could never actually enjoy it. The outro by Lauren Hill in We Got Loved by Tiana Taylor, that has been my motto for the past few months. And it's something that I repeat to myself every day. At this time, I basically have it memorized. It's something that I just have to embed in my soul on a daily basis. You can have everything, you can have all the money in the world, she says, but if it's not enjoyable and if it's not sustainable and if you can't be a person of integrity while having all those things, then it doesn't matter and it doesn't mean anything. You can be the richest person on the planet, you can be the most famous person on the planet. If it's not even what your soul and most authentic self really wants, then it's never going to feel right. I really don't regret many of the things that I did during that time, the things that landed me to where I am. I think it built up my confidence in a way that I wouldn't trade for the world. But now I'm also able to look back and view my 17-year-old self as a child who was longing for something. I was searching for meaning in other things because I couldn't find it in myself. I needed guidance. So the groups that I was a part of, activist groups, student groups, whatever it was, it gave me this guidance and direction that, you know, there are people like me and there are people who also want to make a positive difference. This is good. So this is something that I should be doing. Rather than walking into a room and being like, do I feel like these are good people that I want to surround myself with? Am I aligned with these people? Do they represent the same you know, values and morals that I uphold in my life? Are they going to make me a better person, a better member of society? 
I didn't have that level of introspection yet. I was just thinking, what can I do to level up? What can I do to achieve more, to be as big as possible? And as much as I don't want to admit that, like I think that was my mentality at the time. And it's so fascinating to me because now I've adopted this lifestyle of ease and peace and calmness. That's what my friends see in me now that I have this relaxed energy. And before, I was tense, I was stressed, anxious, concerned about what other people thought of me. And if people weren't happy with me and didn't like me, it bothered me a lot more. So again, I had this fearlessness and I went through the biggest life transition I've ever had of moving from California to Chicago. I felt like I could do anything. It probably seemed like I was on top of the world, that I was only gonna go up from there. And inside, I was completely broken and I had no idea. I was probably just on autopilot, still in this survival mode of I need to get myself from point A to point B, whether point A is where I'm currently at in life and point B is to be a successful lawyer or policymaker and civil rights attorney and like that's what I wanted for myself. And point A to point B could also be how to get myself from my dorm room to class. I strongly identified with the friends that I had in high school when I didn't have that anymore and everyone was so far away from me. I had to deal with that silence because I didn't feel happy with myself and secure in myself. It made it really difficult to build authentic friendships with people because when you are interacting with people from a place of, I need you to see me, I need you to validate me, I need you to say that I'm doing the right thing and going about this in the right way. You are attracting people who like to be in a position of power to dominate others and have control and even manipulate others. That is the type of person you are attracting if you do not approach a situation from a place of self-worth. If you are showing that you do not believe that your voice is valid and just as important as anybody else in the room people pick up on that. So the people that I was attracting were people who liked the fact that they were older than me or more experienced than me or had some type of knowledge or expertise that they felt they were more qualified or entitled to talk down to me and to mistreat me. I had a very bad experience with one particular group that I was a part of that I've never talked about before. There was a person who I will not name. Let's call her Paula. So Paula was essentially the leader of this group. I was a freshman. I was basically the only freshman in that entire group of like 30 people. We were involved on campus and basically were given a lot of responsibilities. It was a great opportunity in some ways and I was really excited to be there. Mostly I wanted to learn from some of the more experienced like upperclassmen and people who were well on their way in their careers and could give me advice. Paula sensed a confidence in me that I don't think they were able to access in themselves. That's just my theory. That's just how I have tried to make sense of some of the behavior that I experienced from that person. 
as we were kind of going through the ebbs and flows of everybody's positions in that group and how everyone was doing their part, tackling their projects and making things happen for our school, I really like to be vocal and to get feedback from people to offer my opinion on different decisions that our group was responsible for making for the school. Nothing I ever did was outside the realm of what we were all there to do. Paula decided that I was doing too much, basically out of my lane, which felt kind of odd because I had never tried to step on the toes of someone else. And I know what that looks like. And I wasn't ever trying to assert that what I had to say was more valuable than someone else or that my judgment was better than someone else's. Anyways... Paula and a bunch of other women who were in this group who were 22, 21 years old, close to graduating, I was 18, Paula decided to create a group chat with these girls. She asked them to include screenshots of their private messages to me. She was like, send me everything that you have from your conversations with Maya. What she did with that was... After a group meeting, we had them weekly, I knew that the vibe was off. I knew that there were tensions. I could feel that there was some hostility and that maybe some people were unhappy with me. And so Paula pulls me aside as people are gathering their bags and getting ready to go home. She sits down with me in the middle of the room and she says, Maya, everyone thinks you're a bitch. And I sat with that for a second. And I was like, whoa. I had no idea how to respond to that. She pulls out her phone and she has this group chat open. And she's showing me this evidence, as she would describe it, of all the times that I spoke to someone or addressed someone in, in that type of tone and that type of way. And when I think about the messages and the screenshots that she was referring to, truly from the bottom of my heart, those screenshots could be broadcast on a billboard and I don't think it would ever be a problem. There was nothing to flag. There was no inappropriateness or rudeness. It was regular messages. If you're trying to make someone seem a certain type of way, It's very easy to exaggerate or even twist someone's words to make it seem different than it was. For context, this is going very deep into it right now, but she basically just asked for these screenshots without any context. And honestly, looking back on it, I think that it wasn't so much to show me here is the thing that we think you did wrong. It was fear-mongering. It was to show me a screen full of messages that people had sent behind my back to show me, hey, all these people are against you, so you need to cower down so that people see that I am bigger than you, I am better than you, and you don't have a chance against me. I think that was really the message that was coming through. But when she called me that name, in front of everyone in that room. It was one of the most dehumanizing 
and degrading experiences I have ever had. It came out of nowhere. It was not provoked. And it is something that I have never forgotten. Years later, I remember that experience causing me to just spiral. I felt horrible. I wasn't angry at her. I was so sad to think that this is what people thought of me. Even though I don't think that's actually what all these people thought of me. I think it was one specific person with an agenda and a lot of insecurity. I digress. What I felt was a combination of things. I felt shame, rejection. It felt like this organization that I had poured so much of my whole year into. All of it was bad. That it was tainted. Because these people didn't actually want me there or didn't want me to be a part of this and that what I was doing wasn't good. And truthfully, all these things, all these conversations and the back and forth and conflict, it had nothing to do with my actual projects. It simply had to do with, oh, well, we just, we just don't like you. <laughs> that is what blows my mind. As a woman, as a grown-up, If I don't like someone, the absolute last thing I would ever do is create a group chat about them violating so many boundaries of privacy and then show it to them and call them out their name. I cannot imagine ever doing that. And it concerned me that this person was so comfortable speaking to me or anybody in that way. Eventually, I did raise it and I escalated the issue because it felt wrong to not say anything. For some more context, Paula was a woman of color. We were not the same ethnicity. This person was of like an an Asian diaspora. I had this weird feeling that there was some aggression coming from a place of there can only be one of us. I didn't know how to phrase it and how to bring that up. I had another peer in this group who is also a woman of color. I just wanted to to get their input and to even know, have you ever felt this way? Am I crazy? Am I like completely derailed? I don't know if this is something that I'm just seeing and nobody else is or maybe it's not happening and I'm just in my head and I confided in this other person let's call her Sarah and Sarah and I were very close I felt like I could always confide in her we had a very good friendship in a lot of ways and I told her hey I feel like Paula might have some unintentional or even just subconscious bias towards other women of color maybe even just in this group maybe in general I don't know but like have you ever felt this way Rather than just responding, saying yes or no, or even like, I don't think this and like, maybe we shouldn't talk about this. Sarah decides to have a breakdown and start crying and she goes directly to Paula and she's like, this is what Maya said. The way that broke so much trust for me and showed me even if you have a friend that you love and you know you feel like you guys have such a close bond and you can tell them anything 
they will not keep anything you say confidential. They will betray you, essentially. When I picture me sitting in that room, being told these things, watching everyone look over their shoulders, like, oh my god, what just happened? I think to myself, I can't believe she had to go through that. I can't believe someone that she respected and even admired would talk down to her and degrade her in that way when she did nothing wrong. I feel so much compassion for that younger self. If that 18-year-old me could talk to 23-year-old me as two separate people, I feel like they would hold hands. I would say to that girl, you need to get out of this situation. They don't deserve any more of your time. The second someone calls you that, that's the last word that they will ever say to you. There's a line, and there's a reason why we don't cross that line. And if you do, there is no, oh, let's try to see if this person's redeemable. Oh, maybe we can be friends. No, you lost that right. There are consequences for our actions. And it is not my responsibility to try to investigate why someone might have their unconscious biases, why someone might have some internalized misogyny or whatever the fuck was going on. It's not my job. I think that 23-year-old me would put my hands on 18-year-old me's shoulders and say, it's okay to walk away from something, even if it feels like you put so much effort into it and so much time and Walking away and giving up would be like burning all the time and and effort that you have put in so far and everything would be meaningless. I would say to her, there's no point in investing countless more hours of your time and energy into making a group of people look good who can't even have your back and can't even defend you in the most basic possible way. There is no point in expending your energy for anyone who doesn't truly have your back. Thank you for listening to this episode. It doesn't matter where you're from. We all kind of go through this at one point in life. It's so important to talk about or at least reflect about on your own. Ask your friends, check in on them, see how they're doing. If there are friendships that you need to shed It's okay to move on. It's okay to let things fizzle away if it wasn't meant to be. I hope you know you are appreciated and you are loved. If you don't have good friends around you who support you and who can talk to you about what you're going through, I'm very sorry. Just know that there are people to talk to who care. Thank you so much for listening to this. I really hope that this connected with someone. I know that even talking about my story has helped me let go. If you do have the courage to tell your story, it's tremendously healing. I hope you all have a great day. See you next time.